Get Ripple, the bright new drink with that ring-a-ding flavor, Ripple. Take two. You're just going to hear me mouth breathing into the microphone the entire time. Because you have a cold? I don't know what's wrong with me. I think Mother Nature is trying to kill me. I've been almost destroyed by nature like four times this week. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much how my life's going. How's that? Well, okay, the first thing that happened was the skunk situation. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, so I was giving my dogs their, like, daily walk before going to work, and they're running around, having a great time. Come around a corner, all of a sudden there's a skunk just right there in the middle of the road. So, of course, my two dumbass dogs immediately try to eat it, even though I'm, like, screaming at them to come back. But it looks so tasty. Yeah, and they found out really quickly that that was a bad idea. So they both got completely blasted. And I'm, Wait, like, can we please post that video of Cole trying to get the skunk stink off of him on our Instagram? Yeah, That is absolutely. hilarious. I, I wish he had learned his lesson, but I think if he saw another skunk tomorrow, he would do the exact same thing. But, yeah, this was, like, at 6.30 in the morning. I'm supposed to be, like, on my way to work at 7. I'm now covered in skunk juice. They're all covered in skunk juice. So I have to, like, do my best to try to, like, wash them off so they don't just tear gas the entire house. Which, like, I don't know if you've ever tried to wash skunk off of a dog. It doesn't come off with just soap and water. No, I can still smell it. And it's been a week. It doesn't. Like, I'll just catch little little whiffs of it here and there. And it doesn't smell like your typical, like, marijuana skunk weed. It smells like burning tires. It does. It's a terrible smell. It's awful. I was nauseated. Like, I was dry heaving. I was going to throw up. Um, I like tried my best to wash up and and change my clothes but I still could smell it on me all day um and yeah things haven't been right since and I don't know if I told you the next thing that happened was I was at work the following day and I work in agriculture and it's um it's pollinating season right now so there's bees all over the place. And I've been doing this for quite a few years now, and I've never had any issue with bees. But no, I'm walking around an avocado grove, and I all of a sudden just get freaking attacked. So I don't know if you can tell that my face is still half swollen. I didn't notice at all. Yeah. So I was like, just commenting how good you looked. Maybe oh, you need thinks. to get stung more often. But yeah, I mean, sting, bee stinging in the face, I think, is a certain kind of beauty treatment. I think it is, but for someone like you who has bee allergies, I'm allergic probably to everything. not the safest thing. No, so I still had a couple hours of work left, but yeah, I got stung three times on and around my face. <laughs> I got stung like right in my earlobe. Ow. So my ear is still pretty swollen. I got stung on my cheek and then I got stung on my neck. Those are very dangerous spots, like breathing areas. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a good time. Um, I chewed up some Benadryl and went to bed as soon as I got home from work. <clears throat> you need to buy some stock in Benadryl. Yeah, pretty much. And then finally, a uh, tree almost fell on my house. But that's been my week. Oh, that's fun. Uh-huh. How was your week? Well, a lot less exciting than yours. Oh, you weren't final destination by Mother Nature? I wasn't. I started a new job. That's exciting. Yeah, I, I did hear about that. I did. I started a new job on Monday. I'm actually working back at a school. Don't unplug these wires, cold puppy. Hey there. And yeah, I'm back in back in the school. Um, right now, I'm strictly kind of a floater. 
I just, you know, (laughs) I'm a floater. I go around where they tell me, like on the playground or helping with lunch duty. Uh, help. There's a couple of kids that have one-on-one aids, so I help with them every so often. Um, I'm in a kindergarten classroom twice a week. I'm all over the place. Are you uh, going around the school and just like secretly putting Ripple podcast stickers on like lockers and basketball courts? And I should. Um, I did find in the girls' bathroom in the junior high bathroom. One of the girls wrote on the mirror suck a d-i and then like an asterisk k oh well at least they took the time to censor themselves that was nice well i went in there and i I gotta be careful because i i'm not in school like mentality as much as i used to be and this one of the girls like oh someone wrote something in the mirror and i went and looked at it and i go oh well at least i spelled most of it right and i said it out loud (laughs) wait is that not allowed to to go into the bathroom no to say like well at least they spilled most of it right it's just me being kind of sarcastic snarky oh whatever yeah but no it's not allowed to write suck a dick hoe well i wouldn't think so but just cover it up with the ripple podcast sticker i I mean all those kids have like smartphones now right they do and they're not allowed to use them at school but every single one of them has them like hanging out of their pocket it's kind of like a fashion statement weird yeah but they're not allowed to use them during school hours what do they do with that what, can't they use them like during recess or whatever nope they're not supposed to then why do they even bring them because it looks cool it looks cool angela it looks cool oh okay yeah Mm-hmm. weird uh so a couple things um this is part two, not part two. This is take two. Take two of recording this episode because we did this entire episode already over a week ago, but it didn't record my voice. And that might be saying something. Wait, should we stop and listen and make sure it's recording your voice now? Okay, we can do that. We're good to go. Okay, well, that's okay because I don't remember your story anyway. Okay, well, let's have a drink. You made me a special drink. What am I drinking? Um, This is from Grocery Outlet. It's called Unspiked because I didn't want to get more alcohol in my house, which like I'm sure whatever. No one cares. <laughs> Irregardless, um, it's cranberry sage, unspiked, bubbly fruit, herbal twist. And it's just like a mocktail type thing. That's intentionally, like I said, non-alcoholic. But we went ahead and poured some alcohol in it because we had this uh, pre-made Negroni that my dad gave me for Christmas. And it goes together like pretty well, the cranberry and the Negroni. I taste the sage a lot. Really? In the in the unspiked. It's good. I think so. It's like Christmas in a glass. It is during, what month are we in? April. Yep. Uh, there's another thing I was going to say. So I guess two more things, actually. Okay. So one of our listeners, Sarah, she was telling her friend Rosa, which is funny that there's another Rosa in the world, about... Did she think you were the only one? I should be the only one. About the podcast. And I guess her friends like listening. And, you know, if you start at the beginning, all we do is just talk nonsense. And especially if you don't listen and you don't kind of keep up with our super exciting lives, you're like, what is this? This is the stupidest podcast I've ever heard of. So I was kind of thinking maybe I should put like a 
the story starts. A timestamp. Yeah, totally. Of, should I do that? Yes. Should I start doing that? Uh-huh. So people can just skip all of our chatter chatter at the beginning. Uh, yeah. I mean, I personally like chatter chatter. I do too, which is, yeah, I like it. I, I like that on a lot of podcasts. Not but everybody does. No, I think most people probably don't. Okay, so don't I'll try to start doing that. Yeah. Um, and I already forgot the other thing I was going to say. Oh, our Patreon? Oh my gosh, we have two new Patreons. Yeah, patrons. Pa- Patreonies? Patrons. Yeah. Um, do you remember their names? No. Shoot. Uh, we have two new Patreons, and we really like you. And as I go to the Patreon website to pull up your names, please hold. So I just have it here. We have two new Patreons. We have one named Angela, which is hilarious because, you know, I guess apparently. I, and I'm not so arrogant to think that I'm the only Angela uh, in this world. So I thought I was the only Rosa. <laughs> and then someone named Val. Val. Hi, so Val. So we have a Angela and a Val and we want to say hello give you guys a big thank you thank you they're both little drips and so be checking your email be checking the patreon site um we'll be releasing the patreon episode soon i'll just post it yeah just maybe i'll just do the unedited version if you get all of our not politically correct comments and stuff we'll just have to deal with it right sure they can just get the unedited version yeah, okay. we could do that. I'm curious now. Now I'm going to have to sign up because I don't remember what. <laughs> like I vaguely remember Patreon. now sort of recording one. How about I, I just don't. give you the password and you can listen to it? What did we talk about? I don't remember. I know we talked about some like show, shows. I think that's when I started talking about the thing about Pam, which I'm obsessed with. Oh, I still haven't watched obsessed. it. And actually our next drink has to be with something that the Instagram people have voted on. So far, Mountain Dew is in the lead. We have to make a drink with Mountain Dew. There's a lot of TikTok drinks with Mountain Dew. Okay. I don't remember the last time I've had Mountain Dew. Mm -mm. I don't drink soda very often. Unless there's alcohol in it. Right. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. So you do your thing. Okay. So here are my sources. Allthat'sinteresting.com, mirror.uk, People Magazine, thecrimeaholic.com, and then a like a documentary series um, on investigation discovery called Dead North. Then I listened to bits and pieces of a couple podcasts, but I couldn't really stay with it. Um, So I got most of my sources from the other stuff. I feel like that's how most people would describe our podcast if they ever tried to listen. I couldn't really stay with it. I listened to like bits and pieces. I don't know why they were just talking about like their personal lives for two hours. What Rose's reaching towards my face. Can no, there's a hair on your microphone. That's what keep t- keeps tickling your nose. Oh. I there thought you go. it was just a hair from my nose. <laughs> okay. So, the story starts with a woman named Terry O'Donnell. And she'd been dating this guy named Christopher Reagan, who was 53, and he was a divorced dad of two. They'd been dating for quite a while, and she was, like, super into him. Like, super into him way more than he was into her oh that's not fun but you know she just was going for it and she just has nothing to say but good things and how great he was but it was probably really good because because of those you know strong feelings that she had for Chris um, it was her that 
called the authorities when she noticed that he went missing on October 27, 2014. Chris had recently got a new job that he was really excited about. He was moving to North Carolina from Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and he was supposed to text Terry when he got back into town so that they could go out and celebrate this new job and his move across the country. Except that text from Chris never came. Chris's job originally uh, was working at a factory manufacturing naval ship parts when he met his co-worker Kelly Cochran. Uh-oh. She was this flirty and fun woman and the two started a relationship despite their 20-year age difference. Uh-oh. So Chris was 20 years older than Kelly. Wait, what was her last name? Cochran. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I totally thought you said Cochran, but I yeah. would like to. Kelly Cochran. Um, yeah, let's go with that. Okay. So Terry knew that Chris had been a little distant recently and their relationship had been going through some bumps, but she had no idea that Chris was quote unquote cheating on her. It wasn't... But they, he, like, he moved out of state. Well, he was going to. He hadn't moved yet. Oh. He was in the process okay. of moving. Okay. But, like, she was... Like, she really thought that they had this big future together. But and was she going to move with him? I don't know if he asked her, but... I mean, okay. he was kind of in it for the fun, and she was in it to have, like, this serious relationship. So she is delusional. Or let on... I don't know. I'm judging too quickly. Well, maybe, yeah. I feel maybe like she both. killed him. Do we even know if he dies? We'll see. I don't remember. So Chris is technically cheating on Terry, but he wasn't the only person doing the cheating. Kelly was also married. So Kelly's cheating on her husband. She's cheating on Mr. Cockring. Yes. Okay. So Kelly was born and raised in Maryville, Indiana. And Kelly and Jason Cockering were high school sweethearts, and they actually grew up next door to each other. She, like, literally married the boy next door type thing. Uh, Once Kelly graduated from high school in 2002. So they were next door to each other. They started dating in high school, and as soon as Kelly graduates, they get married. Wow, how boring. Well, hey, shut up. (laughs) Let's, let's, Let's backtrack that. But, so, what year did you graduate high school? 2006. Okay, so they're a little bit older than you. Okay. So, Kelly started using drugs in high school, and she had some behavior problems, according to her mother. And at one point, her mom sent her to live in a girl's home, but her behavior didn't really seem to change. She ran away a bunch of times, and by the time she was 18, her mom was just done with her and kicked her out of the house. But it wasn't all bad with Kelly. She did get a college degree, She took some classes in forensics and psychology, and she took really good care of Jason in his suffering. And I'm going to kind of get into that, even though she was having, you know, these affairs. And she was having multiple affairs. You know, Chris was not her first. Well, she's got to make up for lost time, I guess. Because she wasn't humping anyone else in high school? Yeah. Well, Jason Cochran, he worked as a pool serviceman. But when he was working one day, he got injured, and he since then had this really bad chronic back pain. And since he was out of work, Kelly was the only one bringing in the paycheck. But money was still really tight, 
but the high school sweethearts just decided to pack up and leave their hometown in the middle of the night one night and move to Caspian, Michigan in 2013. So that was like pretty weird. I mean, if you're kind of growing up in a town where you've lived pretty much your whole life, and then in the middle of the night one night, you just pack up and jam. I mean, that's kind of weird, right? Yeah, you're running from something. You would think so. So back to Chris and the missing call from Terry. So the police go to Chris's house and they see that most of his items were still in the house. There's dirty dishes in the sink. There's prescription medication in the bathroom. There's personal pictures and belongings left out. So the thought of him just up and leaving his home without saying goodbye to anyone was totally out. They could tell that he had recently been packing and there were lists and like post-it notes of to-dos all around the home. When the police went to investigate Chris's car that had been left in the parking ride, they noticed that it had his knee brace inside, which he needed since he had recently had a surgery as well as a post-it note that had Kelly and Jason's address written on it. So lots and lots of red flags at this point. His personal belongings at the house, his knee brace that he needs since surgery in the car, and then this weird post-it note with Jason and Kelly's address. So the Iron River police chief, um, this woman named Laura Frizzo, she's like taking the case. She's this really pretty smart woman that has strong instincts. And then um, the town that she was the police chief of had just 2,800 people in it. And she says about the town, quote, Unfortunately, I have to label it as kind of a depressed community with a lot of problems. A lot of crime for a small town. Yeah, that seems like almost too small to even get away with anything. Like, I feel like everyone would know. Everyone else's business. That's not very many people. It's not very many people, but I don't know how spread out it was. Oh, okay. So maybe it wasn't really... But still, like, I'm sure everybody kind of went to the same grocery store. Right, yeah. Like, anytime you had any sort of business that you Mm -hmm. had to do, I'm sure you saw the same people all the time. Huh. Weird. Well, even if you're not seeing the same people all the time, you're probably seeing the same cars and, you know, just the same, almost like a Groundhog Day because it is so small. Yeah, that's that's not a lot. Okay. So Chief Laura Frizzo, she goes to Jason and Kelly's house to see if they know anything about where Chris might be because, you know, they found that post-it note. They also knew that Kelly had worked with Chris and... You know, they just were kind of putting things together right at the beginning. So Jason opens the door and Chief Rizzo asks Jason if he knows Chris. He says no, but according to Chief Rizzo, he seemed uneasy and uncomfortable. Chief Rizzo then asks if she can talk with Kelly. Jason tells her that she's not home, but just a few seconds later, Kelly comes to the door. Kelly is totally at ease. When she gets asked about asked about Chris, she says that yes, she knows him and worked with him, but she hadn't seen him in a few days and had no idea where he could be. So at this point, Chris had actually been missing for more than two weeks. So is she saying like, oh, I haven't seen him for a couple days, but Terry r- reported him missing over two weeks ago. 
The police told Kelly that they had found Chris's car at the park and ride and asked her if this was unusual. She told them that it was strange that it was left there and he, quote, loved that car. So the use of the word loved in the past tense set oh. off all kinds of alarms. So, okay. So, oh, hey, um, I saw, you know, Adam's car parked over at Target yesterday. What was it? You know, why was it there? Is that kind of weird? I mean, you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, that's super weird. Adam loved that car. You'd be like, yeah, that's super weird. Adam loves his car. Why would he leave it there? Right? Huh. Yeah, no, totally. And I've heard that before, like in 2020 and stuff. Like, I think you got to really watch yourself. Your, when you when you go ahead and plan to murder someone. Watch your past, pe- present, and future. Yeah. You got to be careful. Mm-hmm. So she also alluded that she had been having a relationship with Chris right in front of her husband. So the police bring the couple down for more formal questioning. And Jason is brought into a room first. And he just pretty much, from the moment he walks into the interview room, he just starts bawling. He's like, you know, asking for tissues. And I've, I watched this, actually, like this interview. Is it on YouTube? It's on YouTube, but it's also on that, like, docuseries. Oh, okay. So I'll show it to you. But it's, I mean, it's intense. He's this, you know, a very big man, very strong looking, you know, and he's just bawling like a baby. And he tells the interviewer that he had been suffering with depression recently and he had thoughts of suicide. And he explained about his deteriorating discs in his back and the constant pain that he's in. And he talked about just how much he loves Kelly and what an amazing wife she is. He even told the interviewer how he had checked himself into a mental like facility recently because he was, you know, scared for his own health. So did they have like some sort of agreement that because he was in pain all the time and his back was all fucked up that she could go bang other dudes? You're a really good detective. Okay. I'm Yeah. Listen to this. Oh, okay. So when Kelly's interviewed, she goes into like more detail about their relationship with Chris. She says that she actually loves him and their relationship. She uses the word love. Oh, not loved. Okay. Well, and it's not her husband. She's talking about the guy she's screwing. So, oh. Right. I the totally gu- thought you were still. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Got it. So apparently Jason wasn't able to perform sexually anymore since he was injured at work. So there's Detective Angela. And so in order to keep Kelly happy in her marriage, they decided to have an open relationship. Throughout her questioning, Kelly was calm and answered all the questions and she just, you know, seemed annoyed to be there. She told the interviewer that she loved Chris and went into detail about their little sexcapades they were having and um, just Kelly driving over to Chris's apartment maybe four or five times a week to have sex. Damn. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of work, right? Yeah. And it says, quote, she did make it seem like they had this lengthy romantic affair And in fact, she even mentioned that he wanted her to move with him out to North Carolina, said Frizzo. So Kelly was asked where the last place they had sex was, and she said it was in his apartment. And so this little fact again gets in the police interested in Kelly's story. And based on the information from Chris's phone, the time and the date stamped text messages as well 
as the post-it with the written direction to Kelly's house and Chris's car. They're putting all of this together. And they're like trying to find maybe there was somewhere that they could see the last place that Chris was. And they find a video of him getting gas on the way to Kelly's house. She'd invited him over to dinner, something that she had never done before. So they're watching this video surveillance and probably because it is such a small town and, you know, it's on the way to Kelly's house. They knew for however reason, maybe the gas attendant knew Chris and said, oh, yeah, he was here at this time. Let's pull up the surveillance and they see him. But that's the last time anyone had ever seen him was at that gas station. There's also video surveillance of Kelly going to Chris's apartment two days after Chris vanished, but there was no sign of Chris in these videos. It's just Kelly going in and out of his apartment. So after these interviews and the police coming back to ask more questions, Kelly and Jason skip town on March of 2015. They go back to their old town of Indiana, the house that they had left before. They leave their house so quickly that Jason's marijuana plants, furniture, and food were all left behind. That's not suspicious at all. You leave your little baby marijuana plants? Yeah. So at this point, the police are thinking that both Jason and R. Kelly have something to do with Chris's disappearance. They both have motive, but without a body, they can't really do too much. Since... Chris and Kelly left their home abandoned. Frizzo and her crew go to investigate. There were like these spray patterns on the ceiling that looked like someone had been assaulted. There was a loaded 22 pistol under the TV in the living room. There were other clues that may help find out what happened to Chris. But again, there was no body to match with. Okay, but I think it's pretty obvious now. And like, why would you leave? Okay, I get it. Like, you're trying to run away or whatever, and he has a bad back, so you can't really move your furniture, and you're just going to, like, take off. But do you at least, like, maybe consider taking the gun with you and tossing it out the window somewhere between wherever they are in Indiana? Well, maybe they had multiple guns, and this was a different one. That was just an extra, just a spare, just laying around? That they just totally forgot about. Or they're really stupid. stupid. So when searching Chris's car, they found fibers and some tree leaves that were stuck in the trunk lid. So you know when you can, like, open your trunk, and then maybe it stays open for a while, and, you know, some dirt or some leaves or something kind of goes in there? Well, there were these leaves that were in his trunk lid in his trunk lid and by Chris's house he lived in apartments and there were no trees around his apartment but the GPS from his car confirmed that he had been at Kelly's house the day he went missing and those leaves from his car matched the leaves from their house oh okay wow that's pretty good detective work oh it gets so much better that's pretty good I like that So they search Kelly's search history, and they see that she had been searching Google images of the Caspian Pit, an abandoned mine pit outside of town filled with deep and murky water. So there's these divers, and they're, like, sent in to search this Caspian Pit. And Chris, 
he wasn't found, but they did find a burn barrel that was wrapped with a laundry cable. And we talked about this before, like what is a laundry cable? And it's this thick wire that's usually like wrapped in like a plastic coating. So it's something, you know, not flimsy at all. And attached to that. Wait, I forgot. What is a laundry cable? Is it the same as a clothesline? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Different words, same okay. meaning. Got it. So they have this burn barrel, and the burn barrel is tied to the laundry cable or clothesline. Well, okay. clotheslines sometimes are like fabric. Yeah, like just like rope, like mm-hmm. nylon rope or whatever. This is like hardcore, like metal. Okay. And attached to that laundry cable is a cement cinder block. So the cinder block was supposed to hold down the burn barrel. Clearly. So... Frizzo remembers seeing a burn pit at Kelly and Jason's house, but there was no burn barrel that normally would have been with it. So, is that like a common thing? Burn barrels? Wherever they live? Indiana? Yeah. They just, like, oh, that's so-and-so's burn barrel. Like, everybody's got one in their yard. I kind of think so, because I think they burn a lot of their trash. There's another guy that talks a little bit later about burning, like, tires and stuff. So I that's think not a good thing. They burn a lot of things in their burn barrels i mean i have a fire pit at my house i do too but i but just I don't, do it to like make barrel s'mores. yeah <laughs> okay also i'm concerned about this open pit that's like just oh the readily Caspian, available the cat well there's lots of pits in indiana apparently they're these old like mines and i don't really know what they were mining for hopefully beautiful crystals but i kind of doubt it and they just stop mining because maybe they've mined everything there is to mine in and these they mines. Move on to the next mine, and I guess. And then they somehow fill up with water, like this murky, terrible, gross. I think water. because, like in other parts of the country that aren't Southern California, they have water. They have like rain, like water. What's that? that? It like falls from the sky. It's oh. really weird. Like it's like okay you know like how you have like with a chance a, of meatballs well yeah but like with water drops kind of like when you have a sprinkler in your yard but from like the sky yeah oh that's weird it is it yeah, is i we think it's witchcraft we don't know what sure. that is around here maybe we should do an episode on rain <laughs> is that what you call it rain when going back to the cochran's home chief frizzo spoke with some neighbors about the couple and the day that Chris went min- missing. And then one of the neighbors, he remembers them, you know, burning something in their fire pit that smelled absolutely terrible. And he goes over to Jason to see what he is burning, and he commented on the smell. And he said that he had burned all kinds of things in his life, including tires and trash. This is the guy I was telling you about that burned all kinds of stinky stuff. But he said that the smell coming from this specific burn pit was just absolutely awful. Jason tried to laugh it off, but when the neighbor jokingly mentioned that the police are going to come out and see what it was because it just smelled so strange, Jason all of a sudden got really nervous and quiet. That's so funny. I wonder if, like, wait, did you say you watched a documentary on this? Mm-hmm. Did they interview that guy? Mm-hmm. Did he have, like, his little, like, his name and then his description underneath as, like, expert burn barrel burner person? Burn, burn barrel neighbor? Yeah. Like, I just, he has a lot of experience at just burning random items and is very, like, familiar with the scents. Maybe it was, like, wannabe pyro. Maybe. So another neighbor, he distinctly remembers hearing, quote, 
all this sawing in the middle of the night. <laughs> he saw Jason the next day and asked what he had been going, you know, what he'd been doing, what, what was going on. And Jason said that he couldn't sleep, so he had been working on a broken staircase. The neighbor thought it was kind of weird since it was the middle of the night and he hadn't seen any materials going into the house or leaving after. And Jason has this terrible back, you know? Oh, yeah. This terrible pain, chronic back injury. But so, even if he did have all of the materials, it's like, oh, I couldn't sleep. So I just wanted to make sure everybody else in the neighborhood also couldn't sleep. So I'm going to work on a staircase yeah. in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just make sure you guys all stay awake as well. So that guy, that neighbor, he also recalled an invitation from Jason and Kelly to come over for a barbecue. And this is something that in all of the years living together or living in that neighborhood had never happened before. This invitation occurred three times in one week. And there was this like just abundance of meat with no side dishes. It's just pretty much like meat. And the neighbor said that he had not had meat like this before in his life. And he described the texture of the burger he ate. I can't do this without laughing. Like something translucent and lobster-like with a strange taste. That's not a texture. Translucent is not a texture. Hey, he described this burger as translucent. I can't even say it now. Translucent-like. That sounds disgusting. You don't want a translucent burger? No, that sounds awful. That sounds like, okay, you probably wouldn't know, but like if you have ever cooked like pot roast or something in a slow cooker, and then you turn the heat off and it kind of like solidifies and there's like a layer of like just gelatinous oh my god why would you eat that oh well you scrape that part off but like if you leave it out and it just gets that so he's pretty much eating a fat layer like meat jello i'm literally like my throat is closing right now So the the realization that the Cochrans could have killed, butchered, cooked, and fed Chris to their neighbors was obviously disturbing. The police were still searching for something that can tie the couple to Chris's disappearance, but the case pretty much ran cold for 16 months. That is until February 20th, 2016, when a 911 call is made by Kelly Cochran. On this recorded call, you can hear Kelly say, quote, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's barely breathing. The emergency staff get to the home, and Kelly is all up in their business. She's in the way. She's asking questions. She is being disruptive to the point it was almost like she was trying to get all the attention from the paramedics instead of giving it to Jason. She was spewing all sorts of info at them, saying that he has chronic back pain and takes drugs to deal with the pain, and he was depressed and sometimes suicidal. But it was already too late. Jason was dead of what looked like a heroin overdose. So I did a little detective work and found Kelly Marie Gabiona Cochran's Facebook page that's still active. And on February 28th, 2016, she writes, and this is eight days after Jason dies. 
I want to give a warm thank you to all who came out to support me and our family for Jason's passing and funeral services. It means so much to all of us. This is the hardest thing I will ever have to deal with. Jason was my heart and my best friend, and I am hoping he is watching over me and his family. He always knew how to light up a room with his smile and his kind words and laughter. He will be missed by so many. I'm not sure how to move forward without him, but I know that he would want us all to move forward and know he is holding our hand through this all. If anyone needs to talk or get a hold of me, please let me know. Again, thank you all for the beautiful plants and flowers, the monetary gifts, the food, and the love and support. Jason loved his family and his many friends he grew up with. He told me some crazy stories of the times he had with his friends growing up and thought of you guys all the time. Thanks again to all of you. Love you all. So then this tipster calls the FBI and he said that they should actually look closer at Jason's death because he didn't believe it was an overdose. Turns out this tipster was one of Jason's close friends. Oh, okay. This is all new to you. We didn't record no, this. No, we this didn't was supposed, talk about, but I'm... This was supposed to be a two-parter, but we're yeah. doing it into one because we ran so over. So the Indiana Lake County coroner confirmed that Jason had a lethal amount of heroin in his system, but he also confirmed that that was not the actual cause of death. Oh, damn. His cause of death was actually forcible asphyxiation. Affi- Am I saying that right? Or suffocation? Yeah. Asphyxiation? I think so. Sounds kind of weird. That sounds right to me. He was suffocated. Okay. So the police are like, mm, okay, Wait. this is suspicious. What year was this? 2016. Okay, that's like way too recent to not know that if you're trying to kill somebody, like, I, okay, the guy was already doing heroin. Right, and lots of it. Not okay. that I'm going to kill somebody, but if I were going to kill somebody who were doing heroin, I would just... Like, how do you, how do you heroin inject? Um, More heroin. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I think that- you can, I think you can smoke it too. I feel like watching Breaking Bad, they were, may have been smoking heroin. I thought that was meth. Oh, I don't know my drugs. <laughs> but, I, no, but I, like what? Okay. So I'm assuming he knocked out and she smothered him, right? Probably because he's going to like spill the beans to the cops. About how he, like, chopped up his wife's boyfriend. Yeah, that dude. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait, I better get him to not talk. So she suffocated him while he was knotted out on heroin. You're pretty good. And I think okay. the use of knotted out in heroin is actually, like, a term. I think so, too. Yeah. I think I've heard that before. I'm a little impressed with your heroin knowledge. I think it's heroin that does that. I know some people we can ask. Oh, yeah, we're going to have them on for an episode, right? No, we are not. Yuck. Ew, gross. So the police in Indiana Lake County, where Jason had passed away, they get in touch with the Michigan police because they had already known that this couple, you know, had been looked at because of the disappearance of Chris. And so they call up those detectives and they just start, kind of trading notes with each other and obviously kelly soon becomes the prime suspect in the disappearance and possible murder of chris as well as the prime suspect in the murder of her husband 
But again, they have no real like proof, which kind of blows my mind because it sure as hell seems to me like they have a lot of damn proof, but they don't. They don't have enough to charge her. Maybe they want to like solidify the case to make sure that she doesn't get off. But at the time, there's just not enough. So Yeah, I think there is. I don't know exactly how it works, but I feel like I've heard that if you make that arrest before you have a certain amount of evidence, there's like a risk that you could potentially lose the whole yeah and i don't Mm -hmm. know exactly why or how i don't but i know i've heard that before Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm gonna kind of shorten this little part up but for a while kelly jams she she takes off again she's running from the police but for whatever reason she's still in contact with them on her phone like they call her every so often and she answers (laughs) so they finally bring her in again and she never confesses (laughs) and they can't hold her and she kind of seems to know it and it's kind of like playing with them about it so the fbi devises this plan to trick kelly and this detective um ogden he has kind of taken on the case with um detective frizzo and ogden thinks of this plan where he's just gonna get her he's gonna get kelly and so they get the guy that was Jason's friend that called the FBI people to kind of give that tip, like investigate this death a little bit more. And they tell him to call Kelly. And they say that he was sent a letter in the mail from Jason that had a sealed envelope inside of it. And on the outside, it said, if anything ever happens to me, send this to the police. And there's all these recordings of this guy and Kelly talking. And Kelly is saying, like, okay, well, do you know what the letter says? Are you going to open it? Well, are you going to take it to the police? Okay, listen, don't give it to the police. Don't, whatever you do, just just ignore it, throw it away, give it to me. And he's like, I don't know, Kelly, I don't know what I should do. Jason was like, my friend, I feel like this is his last wish. I feel like, you know, and so it just keeps going back and forth. And you can wow. hear her getting, like, super, super nervous. So she's called in again to the police station and – this is when Detective Odgen gets just totally gets her. He says that he has the letter and she just breaks. And she there's this communication with him and Kelly and it's detective says, "Tell me what happened." And she just says, "Downsized him." And she and downsized he, him. Uh-huh, and he goes, Whoa. "What?" And Kelly says, "Downsized him." And detective says, downsized him. How did you downsize him? And Kelly says, do you need to know all of it? And he says, I do. I need to know all of it. How did he cut him into pieces? And Kelly says, with a chisel. And the detective is like, "Mm, what? And Kelly goes, a chisel, like a big chisel. You know what I mean? And the detective goes, a big chisel, a big wood chisel. Well, that doesn't make any sense, though. So she's like, even though she's confessing at this time, she's still lying. Yeah, like a wood chisel, like right. So he, is she maybe just saying like the wrong. No, word? she knows. She's actually really intelligent. And so she changes her story again, and she says that Jason had used an electric handsaw to chop him into pieces. And the detective goes, so he's completely dismembered. Chris, he com- completely dismembered Chris in the basement. Did you watch him? And Kelly goes, no, I couldn't. I got sick. 
And the detective goes, you got sick? You threw up? And she says, yeah. So he then is going like, okay, well, how did this happen? Like, let's let's backtrack a little bit. Like, what what happened? How? Why did you kill Chris? What was the, the deal with that? And she says that Jason forced her to call Chris and lure him into her house where he would be murdered. Like, she knew all of this. She knew Chris was going to die that night. So on her and Jason's wedding night, they made this pact to murder anyone that got between the couple. And so this is the story that Kelly has stuck with, like, the longest. There, Like I said, there's many other kind of, like, little things that she changed here and there. But that's kind of what she's going with. They met, They made this wedding night pact. And if one of the other ever cheated they would together murder the person that that person cheated with. Wow, how romantic. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't say it in their vows. <laughs> so Kelly had never invited Chris over to the house before, but she just totally initiated like this, you know, big exciting night before he leaves. She's going to cook him dinner and they're just going to, you know, have tons of sex. So as soon as Chris pulls up and gets into the house Kelly just jumps him and they start having sex right there on the stairs oh weird Jason comes up from the basement and shot him in the back of the head apparently mid copulation ew Uh uh-huh so then Jason cuts him up into these pieces and this was a quote from Kelly that says when he cut him up he had one of his hands and said that this was the last time he would be waving at me and he was waving goodbye to me and so it's pretty much saying like Jason had Chris's hand as he's chopping it and just kind of like flopping his arm at her whether that's true or not we don't know because Kelly how creepy uh huh so then as for Jason and his murder Kelly says, quote, she looked me. Oh, no. As for Jason, this is a quote from um, Detective Odgen. It says, quote, she looked me right in the eye and said that Jason had taken the heroin that night. And basically, she wasn't going to wait for him to die. It was taking too long. She had the power and she wanted to show him that she had that power and that she was in control. So he probably would have died from that heroin. But she just said it was taking too long, so she decided to smother him. Wait, so did he intentionally try to kill himself? Mm, According to Kelly, it says he took that heroin. Whether it was an intentional overdose or if it was just as much as he normally took, I don't know. So she felt that he had killed the only good thing she ever had in his life, adding, quote, I still hate him. And yes, it was revenge. I evened the score. So she told one of the detectives who interviewed her, quote, from the time Jason killed Chris, I wanted him dead. Kelly was sentenced to life in prison without parole for first-degree murder, two and a half to four years in prison for larceny in a building, six to ten years in prison for conspiracy to mutilate a dead body, three to five years in prison for concealing the death of a person, And two and a half to four years in prison for lying to a peace officer. Was she charged or convicted of any form of feeding human human remains to another? Like that, that that was not a charge. I wonder if that's a thing. 
I wonder if there's like an actual, I guess it depends on the state, but I wonder if that's like a thing. Like, I feel like we've looked this up before. I think we probably looked it up last week when we <laughs> recorded this episode and I already forgot. Yeah, we'll have to do that again. Okay. So she also received life in prison for killing Chris and was sentenced to 65 in years in prison in the strangulation death of her husband. Jason and Kelly Cochran's parents, they sat together in the courtroom as Kelly, like, reviewed and signed her plea agreement with her public defender. And Cochran teared up as she entered her plea. And she says, I plead guilty, Your Honor. And after the sentencing, um, Kelly took a plea deal with a 65-year prison sentence. And she admitted to giving him the heroin and covering his nose and mouth until he died. And apparently, like, this plea deal that she took um, also prevents her from being charged with any more crimes in Indiana, which I thought was really strange because in other interviews, she has listed over 21 other people that she has murdered. Holy shit! And her own brother, Colton, he thinks that she is responsible for as many as nine, like in his mind. Over, like over the years, Kelly made more strange claims. Like, in once in Kentucky, she had killed a semi truck driver, and she stabbed him in the eyes, and then left the body on the side of the road. But authorities have insisted that no trucker was ever found like that. So it's not really known, like, is she making this up or not? But according to Jeremy Odgen, the detective, as well as Frizzo, they both think that she was too good at the cleanup, at the hiding of things, and at the just avoiding getting caught to have been her first murder and second murder. But I don't know. I disagree with that. That doesn't make any sense because they left the house. They bolted. They got out of there. They're like, let's just leave this blood splatter on the ceiling and gun underneath the TV. Like, that's just messy. It is, but it wasn't. I don't know. It was it, in the leaves. I mean, there was a lot. The cell phone, the searches. But both... Um, Odgen and Frizzo, who are, you know, detectives, they both think that there's a good chance there's um, more victims out there. But they're detectives in a town of 2,800 people or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But they're jumping from state to state. And when That's they when, And when they left, the you know, in a hurry that first time. But what would be the motive for these other people? Maybe she was sleeping with a lot of people. And there was rumor of her, you know, having other relationships, relationships with women. Maybe uh, they got off on that together. I don't know. It's crazy. And the, uh, they did find parts of Chris um, because, you know, they wanted to give closure to his sons and give him like some sort of a, a burial. So Kelly took them out to the site where she had remembered dumping parts of his body. Ew. And they found his skull um, and I think his glasses, but definitely not even close to his whole body. Yeah, because the neighbors ate him. And burned him and yeah. Uh, Okay, so at what point do you think the neighbors realized that they consumed humans? Um, I think when they were being interviewed. Honestly, if you watch the interview, he's like talking and 
Um, Wait, interviewed for the TV show or interviewed by the police? By the police. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think when he's, according to Frizzo's notes and stuff, she even says, like, like when she thought that he might have been consumed, the neighbor kind of got the same, like, aha moment. And he said it to his friend that was standing next to him. Like, he goes, dude, we ate dude. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think, I think that they kind of figured that out together. But. A little ripple, because that is the name of our podcast, so I'm going to give a little ripple here. But um, Chief Laura Frizzo, she isn't the um, police chief anymore, but because of this case, she started actually dating Detective Jeremy Odgen. And I don't know if they're still together, but the last interviews and stuff I heard and watched of them they were like this super cute little couple. Oh, wow. Weird. So I kind of thought that was fun. Imagine that. Like you're going on some like couples cruise or whatever. Not that you should ever go on a cruise. That's a terrible example. But whatever. Like you're just out and people are like, oh, how'd you meet? And they're like, well, there's this cannibalism thing. Yeah, we were working this like Black Widow serial killer um, story and this person was eating the other person and I don't think they call them stories when they're like actual detectives I think that's just podcast language pretty sure they're actual cases oh not stories <laughs> not stories they're not bedtime stories no oh, I think no, they should that's be just what we tell okay well do you want to tell me um two truths and a lie yeah okay maybe we'll see okay I'm ready are you ready totally so since my favorite part of the whole story was the translucent meat. Gross. Um, we're going to talk more about cannibalism. Yay. Cannibalism. My voice is still... I have an excuse every week for why I can't speak properly this week. It's because I have a cold. But uh, so I have two truths and a lie. I did it right this time. You don't have 15 truths <laughs> and one lie. <coughs> okay. So the first one. Cannibalism was sometimes used as a medical treatment. Okay. Okay. Number two, cannibalism was practiced in colonial America. And number three, cannibalistic rituals were, wait, nope, not that one. Number three, cannibalism was named after the people from a cannibal, the name, tribe. So like a tribe called the cannibals. Right. Wasn't there like an 80s band called Fine Young Cannibals? Probably. Is that the name? Is that a thing? Fine. Want me I, to look it up for I you? feel like it was called Fine Young Cannibals. I mean, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I can't think of anything that they sung. And I don't think it'll help you. Even if that's the right name. I kind of want to go with the first one, and I don't even really remember what the first one was. Oh, about, maybe they did, though. Eating people to make you better. And colonial times? Yes. Do you want me to admit that I have no idea when that is? That would be the time of the colonies. Rosa works at a school, everyone. <laughs> school for children getting educations. Oh. I'm going to go with the doctor one. You would be wrong. Of course I am. Of course. Of course. Okay. What, should I have gone with the coloni- colonial times? No, you would also be oh, wrong. Shut up. The only one I kind of thought was right, like for sure right, was the wrong one. Okay. So... The, can- the term cannibal 
comes from a tribe in the Caribbean, but those weren't actually cannibals. So let me explain. Okay. And by explain, I mean, let me read this from an article that I just found like two minutes ago Then I didn't actually read. But it says, the word cannibalism itself comes from the name of a Spanish word, Caribs, as in Caribbeans, Caribbeans. The Spanish accused the Caribbean tribe of ritualistically eating their enemies. But modern day scholars have doubts that that actually ever happened because the Caribs were engaged in anti-colonial battles with a host of European powers, many historians now argue that the cannibalism rumors were just propaganda tactics by the Spanish meant to stir up fears. Get it? Nope, but I believe you. What don't you get? No, I get it. I totally get it. You're so lying. You were playing YouTube videos while I was was talking. I was looking at Fine Young Cannibals. Oh my gosh. Do I even bother reading the other two? You know, it's really bad when like the other podcast host doesn't even listen to the podcast as it's being like (laughs) as it's in progress as it's being recorded live. No, I do want to hear about eating of the bodies and it curing me. Okay. And when I mean me, I mean I'm not eating a body. Cannibalism was sometimes used as a medical treatment. So it says there are many horrifying examples of cannibalism in Europe throughout history, but one of the most bizarre is that cannibalism was occasionally seen as a, seen as a remedy. To pick one example, in Germany from the 1600s to the 1800s, executioners often had a bizarre side job that supplemented their income, selling leftover body parts as medicine. What? Like, okay, I'm the executioner. I'm like the guy in the hood and I pull the thing that hangs the person or whatever. They talk about placenta. Oh, and washing your hair with it? No, eating it. Ew. People do that now. Yeah. Are you a cannibal if you eat your own body? I'm going to say yes. So people that had babies and had their their placenta (laughs) encapsulated and then re-ate those capsules, they're cannibals. I, I mean, yes. I would say yes. I think that the argument could be that that's not your body. That's like then a, it's someone else's body. That it's maybe like a, who does the placenta belong to? The does mother. It, it's the mother created that for the, the baby's house. Mm, but if you eat your scabs, are you a cannibal? <laughs> if you eat your boogers, you. well, boogers are different. Because stop, I don't care. That's disgusting. <laughs> you have scabs are oh, I'm seriously like nauseous. If you eat your fingernails, there's people who eat their cuticles. If you eat mm. your hair. Who eats their hair? Have you seen My Strange Addiction? Okay, they also eat foam off couches. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what was the last one? Um, the last one was Colonial America's cannibalism. Uh, another. This is all from Vox.com, by the way. Oh, that's a good website. Is it a good website? I, I don't I, know anything about I it. I get a it's, lot of my info like, from that. Okay, hopefully it's not... Um, Fake news. Who knows? Uh, cannibalism was practiced in colonial America. So many people might think that cannibalism is in distant history and underdeveloped countries, but cannibalism was a feature of early American history too. In 2013, archaeologists revealed that they found evidence of cannibalism in colonial Jamestown, an indication of just how desperate early colonial life 
had been. Specifically, they discovered markings on the skull of a 14-year-old girl that strongly indicated that she had been eaten by settlers during the particularly difficult winter of 1609. So that's kind of like Donner Party shit. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's like survival mode. I don't think they're doing it for like pure enjoyment. Yeah, that's not like a, a common practice. It yeah. doesn't sound like. Because that's like, again, another cannibal story that we talked about. The plane crash. Uh-huh. They didn't consider themselves cannibals because they had to eat or die yeah it wasn't like oh i regularly practice eating human flesh Mm -hmm. it was like hey do you want to eat joe or do you just want to die didn't wasn't there something that we talked about at one point too where they're like people kind of like get off on like cutting parts of their body and cooking it and feeding it to others or did I make all that up no we talked about that last week when I did my last thought in a shot yeah that was something else that's a um hey if we ever want to do like patreon bonus since it did record my voice we could do that clip of the eating yeah maybe we could throw that on patreon let's do that that's a good idea oh now would you delete the whole thing no I think I still have it I'm pretty sure I do yeah um what are you going to tell me about next week Next week, I'm going to ruin your childhood again. Again? I'm already in so much therapy for a ruined childhood. Yeah. Um, this will be another thing. You Actually, you know what? I don't know if it'll be your childhood. It might be the childhood of a lot of our listeners. Are you calling me old right now? Yes. Fantastic. You're just like my daughter. <laughs> no, I think it's like uh, it will hit home to like – Millennials, yes, okay. and maybe Gen Zers. Those okay. are younger than millennials, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm an X. I'm a millennial. Yeah, I think it's um more Gen Z millennial okay. era. Let's just check it out. Can't wait. Um, <coughs> well, I look forward to it because I feel like we got off track, or not off track, but off our um calendar here recording and getting stuff out so we're going to try to be better about that and get those more regularly because I know you guys just miss us so much so until then don't forget to be a fountain and not a drain I'm going to end it with this song by Fine Young Cannibals do you remember this? I do Oops. hey that's like a really popular song that's like not some oh that's so loud But the version I remember was Kermit and Miss Piggy. Are you kidding? That's really funny. I just wanted to get to the chorus. Might be a little while. Yeah? Do you have any idea what they're saying? No. I saw their picture, though, because I also looked it up. Oh. And I would never, ex- well, listening to the music, too. Would you imagine these people being called fine young cannibals? Yeah, I wonder how that even came about. I know. I imagined, like, death metal screamers. Yeah, not these squeaky voices. Okay, everyone. Have a great week. Bye-bye.